Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Psalm chapter 19, starting in verse 1, David says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we get into your word this morning, we just ask, would you speak to us? Lord, would you give us exactly what we need this morning to be able to see you for who you are, that we might be able to then respond to you in the way that we ought to. God, I pray that every single word that comes out of my mouth would just be uh, something that flows straight from your heart to us, from your word. Lord, may your word be the lamp to our feet and the light to our path this morning. May your word guide our hearts and our minds. And may, Lord, you help us to respond to you as we look into it. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Filters uh, used to be back in, I, I mean, they still use them to an extent today, photographers do. In fact, on uh, the drone that I have that we uh, sometimes use footage from, that we uh, look at out, out in Wenatchee, I love taking the drone up and looking out. Sometimes they, it came with filters that go along the camera lens that uh, helps you to see what you're looking at uh, whether, whether the sun's too bright or whether there's not enough sun, whatever the case might be there, it distorts the lighting so that the lens or the camera itself might be able to see something else the way that you want to, right? Uh, that's, that's what it, there used to be red lenses that would go on the camera or yellow lenses, orange orangey lenses that would go on to help uh, the black and white show a little bit better when you uh, took photos in, in black and white. That, of course, that was back in the day when you still developed film and did things like that. Uh, but, but it would help uh, you to see the lens or see what you were looking at through a specific type of lens. Nowadays, uh, if you use the word filter, 
Uh, a lot of people think of uh, what happens on social media now. On social media, a filter is no longer a lens by which you see something. A filter is uh, something like uh, you point the camera at your face and now you look like a dog, right? Uh, you have a tongue sticking way out of your mouth or uh, hearts all floating around your head or um, you can make yourself bald, you can make yourself have more hair. I mean, there's all kinds of things now. Uh, if, you, if you've never done that, uh, you, you gotta try it sometimes. It's just fun uh, to do some of that with filters. Our kids love it when we do that and uh, show ourselves with sunglasses now. And we don't like those sunglasses, so we swipe the screen and it puts different sunglasses on us, right? That's, that's what filters seem to be thought of now. But the purpose of filters on social media is still the same. The purpose of them is this, to alter the way that you are seeing a person, right? That's, the, that's still the purpose of a filter. Uh, in fact, there's a hashtag that people use on social media that's this, hashtag no filter. And what they're saying with that is the, the, uh, the, what, the picture that you're looking at is real. There's nothing done to it to alter it. Um, now, there, if you look, there are quite a few pictures on uh, Instagram with that hashtag, no filter, that uh, so many people we're like, there's no way that's real. There's no way their teeth are actually that white. There's no way their hair actually looks that way, whatever the case was. So they actually made, the, this, I'm going off on a rabbit trail here, but it's a fun one, okay? Uh, there's, a, there's this website called Filter Fakers that you can take someone's photo and instill it into film, uh, Filter Fakers and it'll tell you whether it's really no filter or not. They'll tell you what filters they use if they use the filter on social media uh, to alter their appearance. It's, it's just insane, but that's what we think of uh, when we think of filters, that something that altered the image in order to help you see something in a specific type of light. And every once in a while we get... Uh, an unfiltered view of something, and it's just fresh, isn't it, nowadays? <laughs> nowadays, there's so many things that are filtered uh, through certain lenses, uh, even the way that people talk sometimes, uh, especially in political speech and all of that. You're just like, and sometimes you just want them to say what they're actually thinking. Don't, don't just say what the speech tells you to say, whatever. Uh, it's just fresh sometimes. It's, it's, it's uh, refreshing to me sometimes when you see something or hear something uh, that, that is just unfiltered a little bit. And I, I, t I bring all of that up to say just this, that in our passage this morning, David kind of gives us insight into specific ways that we can see God in an unfiltered way. As I said a moment ago, oftentimes we see God through a specific lens, whether that's through the character of another person or uh, things like that, it, it distorts or it could very well distort the way that we actually see God. But there are some ways that we can see God unfiltered. And one uh, pastor illustra or, uh, uh, outlined the passage this way. He said, we see God through the unfiltered skies, through the unfiltered scriptures, and then through the unfiltered soul. All right, so we're just going to walk through uh, really those ideas. Seeing God through the created world, seeing God through his word, and then what that then does for each and every one of us as we respond to him. The natural revelation of God's creation, the special revelation from uh, God's word, and then the practical revelation in our own hearts. So uh, this is a beautiful psalm for us to consider this morning, and so we're just going to take them view by view, all right? So let's look at the first one, the first unfiltered view of God through the heavens or through 
the created world. Verse 1 through 6 outlines for us uh, this type of view. David says, the heavens, the skies, they declare, they, they disclose, they keep record of the glory of God. Just by looking at the very heavens, someone would be able to see God's glory. What he's saying is the skies tell me the story of the glory of God. The, the skies themselves tell us of God's glory. Creation tells us of how glor- glorious God is. They, they don't really say much of God's grace or of his mercy or of his love or of his judgment. You need something else to come alongside the heavens in order to show us some of those things. But one thing that the, the heavens do declare is the glorious nature of God, his power and his majesty and his glory. The heavens, they tell us that there is a God that exists that can do that, that can create the heavens. And if the art of the heavens is that glorious, how much more the artist himself? I don't know if you guys saw Friday night, the sky. Uh, In fact, there were pictures of uh, the college graduation with the sky in the background. We took some pictures uh, from our house of the sky. It was just beautiful. And every time you look at skies like that, you, you just go, man, if it's that beautiful, how much more beautiful is the one who created the skies to be able to do this? What an amazing God. In other words, the uh, way that we would know God is through his design. Now, uh, theologians have long called this the argument from design, or the, the big word for it is the teleological uh, argument for God's existence. Uh, and, and really, it comes down to this. The argument is this. Anytime you see something of beautiful design, it points to a designer, right? It points to a designer anytime we see something of, uh, that is designed beautifully. In other words, the best explanation for the existence of our universe and of the heavens and of the expansiveness of creation is not randomness, but intelligence. That's, that's the argument. In fact, the way that David even continues here, he says, day unto day utters speech, night unto night shows knowledge. In other words, you can count on this declaration of the creator of God's glory every single day and night. It's a cycle. It consistently takes place that you can see the glory of God through creation. When you think of just the fact that we exist, it's, it's pretty amazing. If you start to look through just the creation of this earth, and uh, I was looking some of the stats this week of like how far the earth is from the sun. And if we were as close as, let's say, Venus, that we would possibly burn up. If we were as far away as Mars, that we would all freeze to death. But that we're a, a good distance away from the sun, that earth is able to sustain life on it. That the earth is on just so degrees of its axis that you might be able to see, uh, the, you might be able to see the, the seasons take place in our uh, everyday life as we, it turns on its axis. All of this just so happening to take place. It, it is, well, just so happens is the way that our world today would like it uh, to be explained. It just so happens that we're perfectly 
tilted on the right type of axis. It just so happens that we're the right type of distance away from the sun. It just so happens that we rotate at the speed that we do uh, so that, it, that the earth can sustain life. It just so happens that these things take place. That clouds form and pre- precipitation comes to the earth as a result. That's, that's what many today would like us to believe, that this is all just sort of some kind of cosmic accident. That it all just sort of happens. But it didn't just happen. There's a documentary uh, called uh, Unlocking the Mystery of Life that I was watching uh, a couple years ago. And uh, in it, they explore the intricacies of the human body. They explore the intricacies of our bodies. And they come to the conclusion that all the inner workings of our brain's electric neural pathways and all the intricacies of our DNA are much like a computer. And the conclusion that they make is this. When I look at a computer with this much intricacy, I understand that a developer made it. When I look at a painting with so much intricacy, I understand that a painter, an artist, made that. And then they say this, I am convinced by looking at the intricacies of our universe and of human beings' bodies that there is an intelligent designer of it all. Now, if you watch that documentary, they couldn't come to the conclusion that it was God that did it. In fact, one of them says maybe aliens, right? But they, they could at the very least come to the conclusion that all of the intricacies of this point to someone even greater than all of these intricacies, being able to put it together. It's the law of everything we see in the earth like that. There's someone who made it that way, right? Just as they said, you look at a computer and see, I I open it up and look at all the hardware and the cogs and all of that. I don't go, wow, man, I just crazy how that just happened, right? I go, man, someone knows how to do that. You look at the cogs in a, a clock and you don't go, man, it's just crazy how someone put a bunch of wood and cogs together in a, in a warehouse and that just took place. No, there's someone built that and put all of that together in order for it to work the way that it does. And so much so uh, do we see that in the world today that it just makes sense following the logical conclusion of it that this would argue for the existence of God, a creator who created the intricacies of our world and of our bodies, and of all that we see here in the earth. We know because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit's work in Scripture that all of this created order points to Jehovah God. It points to Jesus who, as John wrote, made everything. In fact, John says it this way, and without him was not anything made that was made. It all points to a creator. Think of all this beauty that we see in creation, that we see in the skies. That's, that's why Paul said that this created world is enough to inform people that there is a God. In Romans chapter 1, he says this, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What is he saying there? Even the things that are invisible of God, those things like his eternal Godhead and his, excuse me, his eternal power are displayed by what he has created. People have no excuse. Anyone would be able to look and at least, at the very least, understand someone created this by the intricacies of it. Now, there are certain things that God's creation can tell us about God. And there are some things that the universe cannot 
tell us about God. It leaves a lot out. I mean, if you look at creation, man, I look at creation, I see the power of God. I see the glory of God. I see the beauty of God. But uh, looking at creation leaves some things out. And what the creation leaves out, Scripture fills in. Scripture fills in. So let's see what David says about the second unfiltered look we get of God, which is this, the Word of God, the Bible. He goes into, if you read it, it almost seems like there's no connecting thought here, right? He's talking about creation, and all of a sudden he says, the law of the Lord is perfect. You go, where does that connect? Well, it only connects if you see the whole thought process of the psalm, but he goes into it saying the scriptures reveal some things about God. It's an unfiltered look at who God is. The scriptures, they tell you about life about death, about love, about relationships, about the future. We don't understand the future by creation. We don't understand uh, things like relationships between other human beings and between us and God necessarily by just looking at the skies. But what, what creation leaves out in the explanation of God, Scripture fills in those blanks. I was looking on my uh, bookshelf this week, and uh, I realized that I, I love my books. That's the first thing I, I recognize. I really love my books. Uh, and the second thing I uh, was thinking through as I was studying this week was all of those books, though uh, great insights, I, I love the insights that they give us to the, to the Word of God and, and uh, even to the inner workings of relationships and all of those things. But each and every one of those books are really just a filter by which then I see the word. Maybe uh, I'm reading the writings of people telling about their relationship with God or their view of the text of scripture or their view of uh, or relationship uh, with God filtered then to me when I read those books. It's beautiful, it's good, I I love reading those things. It's edifying, but it's still a filter. The The only unfiltered look I get from a book is within the scriptures themselves. Uh, now, really, really quickly, uh, I, I want to make this uh, point that in case you haven't caught on to this here at Rich Point, uh, I want to make it abundantly clear that I believe that the Word of God is the inerrant Word of God, that the scriptures are the inerrant, perfect, and preserved Word of God. I actually believe the Bible to uh, be God's revelation, pure, sent from heaven, though written down by many men, throughout the ages, uh, it it is God's inerrant word to us. Now, not everyone believes that. Not everyone believes that, and I understand that, but I believe that people that don't believe that, it's evidenced by their life. Just as we said last week, the word of God in Psalm chapter 1 brings stability to our lives, and those that do not believe the word of God to be inerrant and perfect and preserved, I think it's evidenced by many of their lives. There's no stability there. There's no peace and love and, and, and those things because they don't have a source of truth. Think about, uh, as I said, what we talked about last week, that there's no stability in their life because they don't have the truth of God's word nourishing and watering and strengthening roots in their hearts to bring stability. So we believe that the Bible is the perfect and errant and preserved word of God. And notice how David outlines these truths about the scriptures. I want us to notice how he outlines these truths. In this part of the psalm, there are six lines And there are three parts in each line. Now this is Hebrew poetry. It was a common way to write things out. But the three parts that are in each line give us a title for God's truth. 
then it gives us an attribute of that truth, and then it gives us the result of that truth. So there are six titles for the revealed word of God as you read through it. The law of the Lord, the testimony, the statutes, the commandments, the fear of the Lord, his judgments. Those are six titles uh, of the revealed truth from God. But then there are six attributes of God's revealed truth. He says, it is perfect, it is sure, it is right, it is pure, it is clean, it is true and righteous altogether. He gives us six titles and six attributes, but then he gives us six benefits. Six ways that God's truth then benefits our life. And the first one he says is this, God's word will refresh and change your soul. That word convert there, when it says converting the soul, it's that word that means to turn back. We, we, to turn back, we often use the word repent to mean the same thing. It will turn your soul back to God. Uh, one man said it this way, his name's Skip Heitzig. I heard him say it this way uh, about this passage. He says, you can go to a doctor for the needs of your body. You can go to school for the needs of your mind, but you must go to the scripture for the needs of your soul. It will refresh your soul as you read God's revealed truth, his word. But secondly, the second benefit, he says, it will challenge your mind. That word simple, when it says make wise the simple, that word simple is a word that uh, nowadays we might say it this way, naive. Now we, we don't normally like that word. We use it as a derogatory term uh, often. But the real idea is this, an open-minded person, someone who doesn't know something but is willing to learn that something. And so uh, he, he's saying people that, uh, that are open to what the Bible says to them, whatever it says to them, and for those people, it will give them knowledge and wisdom and understanding. It makes the wise simple. It challenges your mind. The third thing he says, it will delight your heart. It will rejoice your heart. Now, it's not always pleasant to uh, hear and consider certain truths from God's word. Isn't that the case? Sometimes you're reading and you go... I don't like that because it's speaking against me, right? Which often the case when people reject the Bible, it's not because uh, the Bible contradicts them itself, it's because it contradicts them, right? We, uh, I, I don't, sometimes when I don't like the Bible, it's not because it's contradicting itself or it doesn't make sense, it's because I do understand it and it's contradicting the way I'm living right now and I've got to fix it because God's word has told me to live otherwise. So uh, here, when it's talking about delighting our soul, it's not saying everything you read will always just be, woo, I love that. But it is saying this, but as you read it and apply it, the result will be a delight in your soul. The result will be a delight. Uh, Psalm 119, the psalmist says this, I rejoice in your word as one who finds great treasure. I, I, I uh, rejoice in it as one who finds great treasure. It will delight, it will rejoice your heart. The fourth benefit he gives is that it will clarify your vision. The word pure there can speak of a light source, a pure light source. It's like a light being shed into our life. As the psalmist said in one, Psalm 119, it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It sheds light on certain issues of life. It, it sheds light on marriage issues. It sheds light on parenting issues, on family issues, on workplace issues. It shines light on attitude issues, on political issues. It does. The Word of God sheds light upon these things, and it can clarify our viewpoint about those things. 
about how I should be living as a husband and as a father and how I should be living as a pastor and how I should be living as a friend and how I should be living as uh, an American and how I should be living every single part of my life as I go down the line of who I am, it, it clarifies my vision, my viewpoint to how those uh, viewpoints should be, how, those, how that, uh, the attributes of that person should act how I should be in each and every one of those roles. And so it clarifies our vision. The fifth one, a benefit, he says, it is, is it will stabilize your future. Now, in the verse where he says, or in the part where he says this, it's an interesting thing to call the word of God the fear of the Lord. Isn't that interesting to you? You read that and you go, what? The fear of the Lord, because often we think of the word fear as being afraid. Uh, but the idea is this, the Bible causes a reverence for God. Uh, uh, that word fear there is a Hebrew word that means to reverent something. So it, it, the Bible brings about a reverence for God. And he says that the Bible, it is clean. It's without defect. It's without, uh, without error. And as a result, it will endure forever. It will always be what it has always been. That's what he's saying. It will endure forever. And it can help us the same throughout all of our lives because as the writer of Hebrews says this book is living and active it it cuts down even to the deepest part of our soul uh, because it's a living and active book and it consistently stabilizes us throughout the day one quote I read about this uh, ver part of the verse was saying this the truth that got you through yesterday will be available for you tomorrow the the same truths that have helped you in the past the Word of God endures forever if it helped you then, it can help you now. The word of God it, it is clean and it endures forever. So it will stabilize your future. It will stabilize your life as you take each step forward. And then the last benefit, he really just says this. And just so you know, it'll benefit your, it'll benefit your life in general. <laughs> it's like, here are some specific things. And then he just goes like this. You know what? It's just good for everything. <laughs> If you read verses nine, at the end of verse 9 all the way down to verse 11, he says, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Notice he says it doesn't only instruct you, it warns you. It warns you of sin. It, it, it warns you of harmful results of the choices that you might be making. The world, it lies to us about sin, but the word of God tells us the truth about it. There's that old uh, adage that says, the Bible will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from the Bible. Then the, the word of God will shed light on the areas that we need to get right with him. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 119, I hide God's word in my heart. I internalize it. Why? that I might not sin against thee, that I would not sin against you, God, because I have the law of God written upon my heart and memorized and, and I meditate upon it. It will benefit our lives in so many ways, and just in general, as the psalmist says here, if we are actively in it. And what a book we have, right? What, what a book we have. What a beautiful and awesome look into who God is that we have here in the scriptures. Now, notice with me what we see in the last part of the psalm. What, what we see is that when we get an unfiltered view of God through his creation, we see his glory and his greatness and, it, and, and through his word and it gives us an unfiltered view then of ourselves. That's really where the psalmist points to next. He goes, man, I look at God in the earth. I look at God through his word 
and it makes me view myself a little bit differently. It gives us an unfiltered view of ourselves because we recognize that we need him. We see this in verses 12 through 14. David now looking inward recognizes sin. And this is the, always the result of the first two unfiltered snapshots. When I see God clearly, I begin to see myself clearly. Another psalm says it this way, when I consider you, when I consider the heavens that you have made and all that is in them, what is man that thou art mindful of him? He says, when I consider you, it makes me think, who am I? And uh, when I see God's glory and greatness, it makes me recognize the need for grace in my life. I think of Isaiah's vision in Isaiah chapter number six. He sees the Lord high and lifted up, his glory filling the temple. He speaks. So uh, he, hears, he sees God's glory and then he hears God's voice. Isn't that very similar to what we're seeing right here? The psalmist say he sees the glory of God and then he hears the word of God. And what does it make Isaiah do? He doesn't go, wow. He goes, whoa. <laughs> That's the word he uses. He says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He saw who God was in all of his glory. He heard God speak, and he says, whoa, I'm not where I should be. When I see who God is, now I see who I am. And David in our psalm this morning says this, what I say, but also what I think, Lord, what no one else hears and only you know, I pray that this would be acceptable in your sight. God, what I see in the skies, what they proclaim and what the scriptures pronounce, it affects what my soul processes. It affects the way that I see myself. I think of that song we often sing that says this, O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze. Then he, uh, we transition when we sing that song to think of what we read in scripture and say, when I think of God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. And I read on that day when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow with humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Then we sing that chorus. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee, how great thou art. What are we doing when we sing that song? We're saying, God, by what I see in your creation and by what I see in your word and what it tells me of who you are, all of that, I can't help but go, whoa. I, I can't help but respond and say, God, you are so great. Because of what I see in the earth and because of what I see in your word, I have to respond in praise. My Savior God, my soul sings out to you. My Savior God to you, how great you are. It moves my heart to respond when I see him in the earth and when I see him in his word. <clears throat> There's this, I'll close with this. There's a 
funny anecdotal story of a kindergarten class who was supposed to draw something important to them. And all of them are drawing, and there's this one little boy in the corner who's really paying attention to his paper and really trying hard to draw something that's important to him. And all the other kids are done with their, uh, with their drawings, and the teacher finally comes up to the kid who's still going for a while and says, man, you're really focusing in on that. What are you drawing? And he goes, I'm drawing God. And the teacher says, oh, what? No one knows what God looks like. And he says, they will when I'm done. <laughs> I think there was a little boy one day who lived on this earth who knew what God looked like. He was a little boy born in a stable, lied in a manger as an infant. A boy who lived perfectly, he lived a sinless life, he grew, and as he grew, he would teach and he would love and he would heal. And one day when he was around the age of 31 or 32, he said these words, he said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. One man that we know as the Apostle John said it this way, he said, no man has seen God at any time, but the one called the Son of God, he has declared him. The word declared in our Bible means this, he has shown him. He has shown him. The best unfiltered look at who God is, is to look at the life of the Lord Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to what he has made. The Bible tells us that Jesus did the handiwork of creation. It says that both in John chapter 1 and in the book of Colossians. Jesus was the one who did the handwork of creation. Look at this world that he has made. Look at what he has said in his word. The Bible calls him the word, the, the very word of God. And look at how he lived his life here on earth and see God's glory and greatness and his character. And then as you look to Jesus and look to all he has made and look to all that he has said, then allow that to let you view yourself in an unfiltered way. And to say, you know what? I need him. I need him. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the first step. You see all that God has made in creation. You see all that God has said in his word. Maybe you have more questions about that. You need to know more before you would make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your savior. If that's the case, see me after the service. I'd love to show you from the word of God how you can know that you're on your way to heaven, that you've entered into a relationship with the eternal God who has created this world. But if you see who he is in this world and you see through he is, through, who he is through his word, it draws us, first of all, to respond to say, I need him for salvation. But then each and every one of us who do know him as our savior, man, every single time we look to him in this world and every t single time that we look to him in his word, it makes us go, I need him. May every single thing that we see and know of God through his creation and through his word then show us an unfiltered view of ourselves that we would see our need of him in our lives each and every day and cry out to him, Lord, would you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. You show your glory, you show who you are through your created world, and through your word, Lord, would you show it through me? Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.